what you're talking about and you say i know better but you don't know what you're talking about and you say welcome to wkjp news radio the podcast that talks about the 90s sitcom news radio one episode at a time i'm your host jordan and here with me is my brand new dbx console Mm-mm-mm. no you lost the bet jordan i'm still here here with me, as always, is my wife, Kayleen. Yay. <laughs> that was good. Today, we'll be talking about Season 2, Episode 19, entitled Presence. Kayleen, at the top of the podcast, I like to ask, how are you doing? COVID-free. <laughs> is, that, is that too topical? Too topical. I'm uh, fine. Let's see what's in the news. <laughs> I am tested negative for COVID today. Very nice. Should I tell people I had COVID? Is that like a, is that a scarlet letter? <laughs> I think the last time we recorded, you're like, I've I been sick did... for a month. It's not COVID. Yeah. No. And then I did get COVID. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm good. Yeah, man. We just had a lot of stuff happen. Yeah. I feel like we say that every time though. It sounds like our lives are so full. Like we're so busy. I don't know. Are we really that busy? I mean, kind of a little bit. I guess so. It was the end of the school year for you. Last time we were going to record, and then my cat died. I know. It was really sad. I had everything set up, and then you're like, can you come take a look at Meg? And I go into the living room, and he's not having a good time, and you had to go to the emergency vet. Yeah, and it was was his time. It was... He was old. He was 16. Yeah, I remember. I think I said to you, yeah, I don't think we're going to record tonight. (laughs) So... I'm all things considered, I'm I'm good. Nice. So people will hear this afterward, but we're about to go on vacation for a couple of weeks too. So yeah, yeah getting super real, leaving well, the country. Let's not, let's not even talk about it because. Okay. <laughs> I still don't believe it's going to happen. Okay. Knock on wood. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm very excited. I'm happy to be recording. I know you are adorable when uh, you record. I like recording. You regress about. 20 years. (laughs) You said that last time. (laughs) I know, but it's true every time. The other thing I like to ask is, what have you been watching lately? Mm. What have I been watching? You and I watched all of Stranger Things. That was was good. I was, it was a steady, it went up steadily as we watched each episode. I was really unimpressed with the first one and I was like, this is, this is not what Stranger Things is. Yeah. And then once I kind of just got over, like, this is not the same show it was in season one. Yeah, it was good. I liked the story. I know you were a little irritated about how they cut the season in half or whatever, but it actually doesn't bother me. Oh, that really bothers me when they do that. They did it with Mad Men. They did it with The Sopranos. They did it with Breaking Bad. They're like, oh, yes, this is our final season. Here's the first half. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I think I've gotten so used to binging shows so quickly that it actually feels kind of good to be like, no, you have to wait. I just don't like the idea that, like, oh, this is the final season, but we broke it in two. You can have the second one in six weeks. <laughs> They're going to let you digest before they give you dessert. It was a little much for me. I mm. I miss the earlier seasons. This was a little too... It's like a horror movie now. You know what I mean? It's not... Well, it's like... I said to you, it's like... It's too gruesome and horrific. Yeah. But then it's also gotten so silly <laughs> right too yeah. so it's like a weird whiplash back and forth between like silly and horror yeah the tone is a little yeah. wild 
But again, like once I just accepted that, like that was what the show is now, I I'm still on board. Mm-hmm. I think that's about it. I don't feel like I've been watching anything else interesting. Fair enough. Did we watch any movies? What did, no, I know what we watched. We watched Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, we did. Yeah, <laughs> we were we got dinner one night and we were trying to figure out what to watch. And I think it just came up and I was like, I'd watch that. And you're like, you thought I was joking or no, something. No, 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 no. You, it was, uh, you've got mail was on the That's list. It. And That's I was, it. and I was like, let's, we could watch that like jokingly. And then you actually agreed to it. And then I said, well, there's another Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks film that predates this. Mm-hmm. And it was Sleepless in Seattle. And you said you'd never seen it before. So I had seen bits and pieces, but I had never seen yeah. the whole thing. So we watched that. It was great. Next we're going to watch. You've got mail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes me happy. I've I've seen Sleepless in Seattle so many times. That was one of those movies my family had on road trips that we watched in the conversion van. <laughs> <laughs> See, we had the soundtrack, and so my mom right. and sister and I would take these road trips, and it would just be the three of us, and we would just be listening to the Sleepless in Seattle soundtrack. And mm-hmm. so I knew so many of the songs, um, but... Yeah, it was fun to it was fun to see the movie. It was really good. Yeah, yeah, it's a good movie. I mean, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks are like pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. So next up is you got mail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the only thing I wanted to say, I, I guess I've been watching random things lately. I decided I wanted to finally see the movie Heat, and I watched that, which is like a oh. three-hour uh, crime movie with De Niro and Pacino. That's what you were watching down there. I heard all the yells and gunfire and Italian yeah. accents. <laughs> I don't think they'd move Italian. No? But, no. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. No, you just heard Al Pacino. No, <laughs> that's, that's, that's all it is. That's what I heard. Okay. And the other one is that I've been watching the new Kids in the Hall series. Oh, right. God. I walked in on you watching that horrible <laughs> sketch. I was just like, this is stupid. She walked in on the one where the guy brings Shakespeare back to life. Like he brings his bust of Shakespeare to life, but <laughs> because it's a bust, blood starts shooting out of the arms. And the bottom, too. His like guts his, fall his out. His entrails fall out of the bottom of this bust. Like Shakespeare's alive, but he's just in like horrific pain. Played and... by Dave Foley. Yeah, he just starts screaming. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird. Yeah. I, some, of, some of them have really made me laugh. Some of them not so much, but yeah, I, I've been enjoying it. Yeah, it's fun to see Dave Foley doing his thing. It's fun to see Mark McKinney as uh, who I've gotten so used to as Glenn from Superstore. Right. It's just wild to see him be anyone other than Glenn. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't have a question. Am I supposed to have a question? Yeah, I don't have one either. Let's just skip that part. We have, we have a game to get to. If you could be any kind of tree. No. <laughs> Okay, I got one. What is an episode from a television show you watched as a child that you remember being uh, formative in some way? Like it was maybe shocking or they dealt with content that was a little bit more adult or uh, it just is an episode that hits you in a different way. Good question. Really good question. Do you have an answer to this? I mean, I was thinking about some of the episodes of the Golden Girls. Mm. Like, I think there's one episode, I believe it's Blanche, uh, where her son comes out to her. Right. And 
I just remember watching that episode and being like, hmm. But I was so young that I didn't really understand, like, like, oh, that's a gay person. Right. Like, Blanche has a hard time with it. So apparently maybe it's not a good thing to be gay. Interesting. You know? Um, But the fact that they even talked about that on that show. Um, Or (laughs) there... There's an episode of Full House. I mean, Full House did this pretty often where they would have these kind of yes. topics. But there was an episode where I think it's Stephanie. Um, there's like a bully in her class. Mm. And it turns out that uh, this boy is a bully because his dad beats him. Mm. And she like, t- the boy tells her. That's and right. then she, so he's like, don't tell anyone, but she tells her family and then, like they contact the school and then he's not in school the next day. Yeah. And she feels bad and they're like, no, right, it was the right thing to do. Right. Right. Like I remember being like, oh, what would I do in that situation? Or like that's, yeah. Yeah. The one I was going to bring up was when DJ befriended that elderly black man who had dementia. <laughs> I mean, I found that kind of like yeah. a, a little bit yeah, upsetting. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of it, but I found it a little bit upsetting because right. like he would like lose track of like who she was he or called where her he Gloria. was. Yeah, and I was like, oh, this. I, I, well, I mean, you know, the idea that like you would be talking to someone and suddenly they wouldn't know who yeah. you were or where it's they scary. were. It's sc- kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Um, I was gonna say I don't know if this is the right answer, but there was an episode of Saved by the Bell mm-hmm. where. Zach dates this girl and she's kind of like flighty or weird or something. And then it turns out she's homeless. Do you remember this one? No. And like she and her dad are like living out of their car or something. Oh. And it was, it was handled so ham handedly that I remember thinking like, what is going on? Like at the Mm. end of like, Oh, you can come stay with us. Even when I was watching it when I was like eleven, I was like, "No way, no, we're not gonna ever see these people again." Like they're like, "Oh, we don't want to impose." Uh, Zach's mom says, "No, no, you can stay as long as you want." I'm like, "They're gone by the next episode." Like this is ridiculous. Right, like right. this is such a such a hand wavy thing. Yeah, and I don't remember that episode. Huh? Maybe I dreamed that. <laughs> I think that's a real one. <laughs> That was one of your fan fiction Saved by the Bell episodes. <laughs> Don't tell them about my fan fiction. <laughs> so, there you go. Oh, that's kind of interesting. I don't know that any of those stuck with me, but I, clearly I like those are the two that I could remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't think of any others off the top of my head. I'd have to think about it more. Not too bad for pulling it out of my not, ass. Not bad. <laughs> not bad. All right. Oh, I wanted to give a follow-up to our last question last time, which series ended too soon. Mm-hmm. There's such an obvious answer right in front of us, and that I know that you and I both agree, The Last Man on Earth. Oh, yeah. Like, it ended... Oh, I still think about that show sometimes, and it, it was, like, just about to do a huge twist. Yes. And then it was done. And then they didn't pick it up again. Mm-hmm. It's too bad. All right, as always, feel free to reach out to us to give question ideas, things you'd like us to talk about, or if you would like to answer the question yourself. Actually, if you have a good answer to this last one that Kayleen asked, let us know. Hmm. Maybe something stuck with you. 
maybe you're still carrying around a lesson to this day. <laughs> Don't do drugs. Stay in school. Should we get into the news radio episode? I suppose. That's what we're here for. All right. So we'll be talking about Presence. This aired April 14th, 1996. It was written by Alan J. Higgins and Josh Lieb. And it was directed by Lee Shalit Shamel. We don't have any new number ones, so I'm going to jump into the synopsis. In this case, the Wikipedia synopsis is much shorter and I think much more succinct than the IMDb one. The Wikipedia synopsis is, Jimmy loses Bill in a poker game and Lisa has to try to win him back. Mm-hmm. I guess also, Bill returns items he's stolen over the years to his co-workers. <laughs> right. So, in the very first scene, uh, the first joke is that Beth apparently nearly broke the scanner trying to scan mirrored sunglasses. <laughs> apparently she was trying to prove a <laughs> hypothesis about the fifth dimension. <laughs> and she hits a sight gag with a guy wearing mirrored sunglasses. Isn't that supposed to be her? I mean, that looks like a middle-aged dude to me. Yeah, it didn't look like her, but I thought it was supposed to be her. I guess I, I don't know. I wondered about this as well. I was like, that's definitely not her. I imagine she enlisted somebody's help. Like, hey, you, come here with the glasses. Come here. Hmm. <laughs> That's my guess. Uh, yeah, so I wonder actually where they got that scan. It looks a little bit like Joe Fury, who is one of the writers on the show, who later plays the guy that Bill insults in this episode. Hmm. Like, that looks like it could be his face. I didn't look that closely. Fair enough. As long as they're doing morning announcements at the conference table. Matthew is uh, going through the recycling bins because he's looking for bottle caps for a contest that ended months ago. <laughs> Apparently he doesn't know what the Super Bowl is. <laughs> the one thing I want to say about Matthew is that he looks like a ventriloquist dummy in this episode. Huh. He's wearing like a saddle shirt. Is that a thing? I don't know what that is. It looks like a saddle. kind of like an old Westy type shirt. You know, the kind of shirt that like a ranch hand and like the 1930s would wear. That you would wear a bolo tie with? Yes. And he's wearing <laughs> suspenders. Okay. To me, he looked like a ventriloquist. Again, it, it, didn't, I didn't, it didn't stand out to me as particularly odd. Hmm. But I also noticed that Dave is wearing a blue striped shirt with a blue checked tie. I noticed that, actually. <laughs> I was like, that's ugly. It's pretty ugly. But Lisa didn't pick it out, so now he has to pick it out himself. Hey, I love that in-universe <laughs> explanation. It's like, yeah. this is why he's dressing worse now. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, apparently there's still some awkwardness between Dave and Lisa. Matthew is still upset about their breakup. As they're wrapping up the announcements, a new mixing board comes in, and everyone realizes it's from Mr. James. He's playing poker with some other station owners in a hotel room. Uh, apparently, they all get together around the time of this conference every year. So Beth gets a phone call from Mr. James, and right as she does, some guys take away the snack and coffee table. So apparently, Mr. James lost that in the poker game. I feel like that's a very low-ticket item. Mm-hmm. Like, they keep complaining about the coffee maker, and I'm like, those are like 20 bucks. I wondered about that, too. And also, how is there only one in the entire office? Like, why wouldn't Dave, especially if he loves coffee so much? I mean, maybe he likes the excuse to go out, but yeah. have one in your office. Or go to a different floor. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they're on the 14th floor, so they're at least Although that'd probably be, floors. that'd be bad form to go into another <laughs> office and just, like, take their coffee. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like I'd be willing to do it. I would not. 
No. If you don't work at that place. That's fair. That's true. <laughs> That's weird. No, you're right. You're right. Also, they live in New York. Like, how far is he from a coffee? Fair enough. How far sure. is he from a, like... um Coffee shop? Coffee shop. Or uh, I was thinking, you always see people in New York having those little cups of coffee with the, like, Greek like stencil design on it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. The kind of like border that's got the blue. It's blue and white and it's got kind of the repeating. Is this like coffee from the street, like on a cart? Uh, it must be. Hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, but I have only been to New York once and <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> Are you going to find a picture? Yeah. I, yeah, I am. It's like iconic. Yeah. So I'm showing Kayleen a picture of it. It's, no. That doesn't look familiar to you? No. Oh, they're always drinking that in like NYPD Blue or some other TV show or movie. Mm. Yeah. What would you call that little design around the top? It's like a little motif or something. It's kind of the... I'm sure there's a name for it. In the same way that, you know, Houndstooth is a pattern or yes. Paisley or whatever. Yeah. I don't know what that is called, though. Okay. Thanks for attending this edition of Jordan Gets Hung Up on a Coffee Cup. So apparently this new mixing board was left on Matthew's desk. Um, he doesn't want it on his desk for obvious reasons, so he picks it up and sparks starts shooting up the bottom. Joe comes over to him with the fire extinguisher, and Matthew goes, no, 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 don't spray me. But more sparks start shooting out, and uh, he does spray him with the fire extinguisher. It's better than him falling. Yeah. I'll take that. And there's actually like a thematic relevance, you know, like right. it... it, it it links into the rest of the story of the episode. Sure. Um, it was stupid of him to lift that. That looked really heavy. I know. It also is stupid that it would be like plugged in or something though. Where, I know. Where's the electricity Yeah, where are from? the sparks coming from? Uh, the editors must have really liked that gag because they end the cold open with it and then they have even more of it. Yeah, After that was so weird. Credits, that I was really, I, I mean, he's making kind of a funny face when Joe sprays him with the fire extinguisher. I guess. But he must have really liked that. So after the credits, Mr. James enters. He's very clearly weary. <laughs> he's probably been playing poker all night. Um, Dave is upset that there's no coffee. He keeps hurrying Mr. James to win back the coffee maker. Um, hey, I have that coffee mug now. I know you do. Does your coffee taste better out it, of that mug? It does. Honestly, I really enjoy every morning <laughs> I get to drink out of my WNYX mug. Every morning I get to drink out of that yellow WNYX mug, and it just makes the coffee taste that much better. You know, you really need a WKJP news radio mug next. Merch? Everybody? Oh, my what do you God. Think? Mom, you want to buy a mug? <laughs> she doesn't even drink coffee. We should. We should make money just like that. <laughs> God, I mean, WKJP. it would be very, it would be so easy. You just take the, the logo we already have mm-hmm. and you can slap that on anything. Hmm. Oh no. What have I done? Yeah. Stickers, magnets, onesies for babies. I was thinking if you look at the desks all over the office, some of them have a WNYX like sticker on the desks. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's the sure. WNYX logo. Sure. And it's like the size of a small dinner plate. Okay. Somebody should make those stickers. Yeah, someone should. Someone should. So anyway, Mr. James wants some coffee. Catherine offers him some of Matthew's uh, herbal tea, probably the same stuff that uh, he offered Theo a few episodes back. Mm-hmm. Urine. It, yeah, it's a natural diuretic. Mm-hmm. I like the way that Mr. James says, I wanted coffee and 
he just has this little like modulation of like hissy fit in his voice where he goes thank you sweetheart the hell is that that's matthew's herbal tea it's a natural diuretic <laughs> i wanted coffee well there isn't any you really like dave i i do like dave i just he, you know, it was a nice little touch he could have just been like well there isn't any but like he he modulated his voice so that he was like a little bit upset. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. So Catherine offers Mr. James a good luck charm. He thinks it's a monkey's paw, which he says is bad hoodoo. And she's like, no, it's a rabbit's foot. And he goes, oh, that's good hoodoo. Mr. James believes in hoodoo. Uh, Beth offers Mr. James a number of objects with very specific instructions about how they give him good luck. But it turns out that might actually just be her OCD. Uh, for example, she gives him a ring, and if he fails to turn the ring, like a quarter turn clockwise every 15 minutes, her mother dies. Yeah, I wrote down, Beth is extra annoying in this episode. Oh, you think? Oh, my God. Yeah, I was done with her by the end of this. <laughs> yeah, she's she's turned up to 11, I think. Yeah. I do like her little dance ritual to correct when the ring gets dropped. Sure. Like, you can clearly tell this is something that, like, developed Vicki Lewis had to practice that. Yeah. Yeah. But she did it well physically. Mm -hmm. uh, I also noticed that she's wearing a zebra print skirt. <laughs> you don't see zebra print that often. No. Feels, is that 90s? Mm, I'm thinking of like Zubas. <laughs> I mean, Zubas basically are like zebra print, kind of. Were they called Zubas because like... Zebras? No, I was going to say because like their animal print, like zoo buzz but they weren't spelled like that they were spelled z-u-b-a-s i think no z-u-b-a-z -Z, i believe zoo butts they were probably originally like zoo butts and then they're like <laughs> can't have can't be zoo it can't oh be oh my butts. god jordan it's time for bed <laughs> it's later than normal she's getting a little punchy yes uh matthew notes that he has his lucky haircut but mr james uh declines to rub it In Dave's office, he's interrogating Lisa about why Bill has implied that Dave has some sort of sexual dysfunction. Um, the only occasion that she can think of is uh, once when Lisa called Dave Stewart in bed. She insists that she said stalwart. Oh. What? You know, remember that one time when you had that little problem? Oh, yeah, but wait a minute. That was just because when we were doing it, you called me Stewart. <laughs> I did not say Stewart. I said stalwart. The whole idea that she said Stuart in bed is so awful. Yeah. Like, I don't know. You already know this. I'm just tired of their relationship. Sure. Like, yeah. I, I like the really transparent lie of like, no, no, no. I said stalwart, <laughs> which I had to look up. I was like, I think I know what that means. And apparently it means loyal, reliable, and hardworking, which like there are worse things to be called in bed than <laughs> reliable <laughs> and hardworking. <laughs> So out of the conference table, Mr. James is looking dejected. I just think he has a great facial expression. He's just got that thousand-yard stare. <laughs> We're not totally sure why yet. Uh, apparently, he lost Bill in the poker game. So <laughs> Bill is now the property of WTSB in Atlanta, which must be like a joke about like WTBS, which is Turner Broadcasting System from Ted Turner, which is based out of Atlanta. I had no idea. Okay. 
Uh, so apparently Mr. James bet him against a DBX console, which offends Bill until he learns that a DBX console is worth $2 million. I mean, if I found out that my job transferred me for something that was $2 million, I would be like, hmm. You'd have to work like 300 years. <laughs> to, oh my God. To be worthwhile. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. So Bill checks his contract. Yes, he carries it around in his breast pocket and discovers that this constitutes an act of God because the contract specifies Mr. James as God. Uh, the only thing I want to say about that is that Bill looks like the restaurant critic from Ratatouille in this scene. Hmm. He's got the like glasses and the dark suit and his hair slicked back. He needs circles under his eyes. That's true. He looks too well rested. Yeah. He's also not thin enough. Like, the shape of his face is totally wrong. That's true. So Mr. James talks to Dave and Lisa. Dave offers to play in the poker game as Mr. James' proxy, but they decide to send Lisa instead because she has a good poker face. And she Is that can... a thing you can do in poker? I don't know why you can't play by proxy. That just seems really... <laughs> like, what's the fun, I guess, is your kind of question. I, or I also just, like, don't believe, like, if I were playing p someone in poker and they were playing with someone else's money and the person I was playing with was making, like, outrageous bets or they were going to, you know, wager tons of money, I would question, like, is the person whose money you're spending actually okay with this? Is this... I mean, you know. Mr. James brought her in and was like, she's going to sure. do this. Like, sure, no. I'm fine with this. No, I get it. It just feels weird to me. I guess from the perspective of the other people at the table, they might think like, well, wait, like the fun is that we, the station owners, are playing against each other, not that you're bringing in this like right. random yeah, person. I, it just doesn't feel like, I mean, half of poker is the cards and half of poker is like reading people's faces and bluffing and yeah. lying and whatever. So... It just doesn't feel authentic to have somebody play for you. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it's kind of a contrivance of this episode, sure. I think. So she has a good poker face. Uh, in other words, she's good at lying, and she can finally use those math skills. So Bill is convinced that he's being sent to Atlanta, so he starts giving away all the office supplies he's stolen over the years. Um, <laughs> he's talking to Catherine. Catherine thinks he's lost his mind. <laughs> And he makes a weird comment to Beth about how, in another world, they could have ended up together. And while I'm settling things up, Beth, I've always meant to tell you that in a simpler world, I think I could have loved you. <laughs> but ours is not a simple world. Also, I stole this hole punch from you last year. Here you go. And she's just got this hilarious shocked expression on her well, face well she did kiss him in that episode and he <laughs> asked her to lunch and stuff so like it's I, not crazy i know but just this utter like deer in headlights look on her face was really good um he also apologizes to matthew for all the mean tricks that he's played over the years um this is one of the first times that we see matthew kind of sucking up to bill i don't think we really have a clear view in this series so far like what their relationship actually is sure we've seen a couple of cases where bill's mean to matthew but like nothing we don't really understand how matthew views bill at mm -hmm. least so far anyway bill sticks in with a spaz sign as he walks away which was kind of sweet uh one thing i noticed is that matthew gives Catherine this really weird dirty look while bill is talking i don't know if you noticed that but like no. bill is talking to matthew and matthew is 
turned over and looking over his right shoulder at at Catherine, I have a feeling like Andy Dick is trying to get Candy Alexander to like crack up or something, or like he's trying to make her laugh. But I just don't quite get it. It's, mm, it's a very weird shot. I didn't notice that. Huh. So Bill comes up to some random guy in the office. Like I said, that's Joe Fury, one of the writers. <laughs> mm. Oh, right. The one who says he doesn't work there. Yeah. Hmm. He's got a nice voice. I just like his voice. Hmm. He's done some of the commentaries. And I do get oh, him okay. and Paul Sims confused in terms of voice, but I do like Joe Fury's voice. So in the elevator, Lisa admits that she doesn't actually know how to play poker. So Mr. James and Dave drag her into the break room to teach her. Do you know how to play poker? No. (laughs) I do not. I feel like it's one of those things I should know, should have learned at this point. Like if you got dealt into a round of poker right now, would you be able to hold your own? No, not at all. (laughs) When I was part of a bowling league a few years ago, for every frame, you would get dealt some cards. Like if you knock down seven pins, you would get dealt seven cards out okay. of this deck of cards. And then like whoever had the best hand after everybody had bowled their frame uh, would like win. Hmm. Like based on the hand that you had been dealt. You know what I mean? So like sure. if you got 10 pins, then you had a lot of cards to choose from and you made the best hand out of it. Sure. And I remember just feeling like I have no idea what I'm doing here. Like, I don't know how to make hands. Like mm. what's a, I've got a lot of red cards. Does that help? But you know the difference. Like, you know what a flush is. Um, a flush is where it's the suits. Right. And a straight is where it's the numbers. Well, a straight is it. I think it has to be the numbers and the suit together. Does it? I think so. Yeah. You can't have like a four of diamonds, a five of clubs, a six of spades. Can't you no. have like a two, three, four, but it's clubs and spades? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't even, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't sure. know either. Because I know like there's a royal flush. Oh, that's where you have all the face cards. That's right. That's why it's royal. It's the. Right. But like there's not a different. I know the terms inside straight. What's an inside straight? I don't know. <laughs> I told you I knew the term. Is there an outside straight? You know what a full house is. Ah, no. (laughs) Yeah, you do. A full house is where you've got like, it's like a three and a two, right? (laughs) It's no, it's where you've got like three of something and then two of the other thing. Yes, but I don't remember what those things are. Yeah, so it's like if you have three sixes and two queens. Ah, okay. It's a full house. Shubadoo ba ba da. Oh my god. Um, I know. I know. So this is sixty five percent of poker. <laughs> so this is a case where, like, I empathize with people who are like immigrants to the United States and come and like they totally start over their lives and they're like trying to assimilate into our country because like mm-hmm. this is a thing where so much of television and movies expects you to understand the basic rules of poker and i have been faking it for nearly 40 years <laughs> oh, are, you, are you getting it off your chest right now i guess i kind of am like i don't really get it and i've always yeah. just kind of like uh-huh okay kind of like with football too absolutely with what, are, football. what are some other games you don't know the rules to you uh, just pretend bowling 
No, I don't know that I could exactly do the scoring exactly right in bowling, but I understand the basic rules of bowling. Mm. You trust the machine to do your scoring I for do. you. I do. Yeah. What about you? I know everything. You do? <laughs> I know a lot of things. Um, I know the rules of most sports. I know a game that I don't really know the rules to. But whenever you play, make me play it with you, I fake it. Go. <laughs> I know the rules, and I know a little bit of the strategy, but I get very confused counting because mm. especially when you like play on the full-sized board, it's very confusing how you count like what belongs as whose territory. Mm. So the short version is I don't know anything about poker. We should go to Vegas. We'll learn. Yeah. They'll, they'll take all our money. So in the next scene, Mr. James uh, has Lisa in the break room, and he starts kind of a disquisition on uh, poker and its history, uh, pokiere. <laughs> For some reason, that makes me laugh every time. He also talks about how pokiere dates back to the Middle Ages when ancient druids roamed the earth. That's a running thing with Mr. James, especially in later episodes. He likes to talk about the druids. Just like just like him and Hoodoo. It's just one of these weird things that he's kind of obsessed with. And Dave says, can we jump ahead a few centuries? And he goes, all right, in the future, poker or space poker, as it may be called. <laughs> so I love the joke that Mr. James thinks Dave is saying jump ahead a few centuries from now, as opposed to like jump ahead a few centuries from the Middle Ages back to now. Mm. So they're trying to explain to Lisa how to play the game. Joe comes in with marked cards to help them cheat. Apparently they have like a low level radioactive dye on them. I love how dismissive he is. He's like, it gives cancer to rats. You're not a rat. <laughs> uh, this is a great scene because everyone, I guess with the exception of Catherine has something funny to do. They all like get to come into the break room and take their turns being funny. So like Bill comes in, he's still handing out his stolen slash borrowed items. Um, and he's just like telling everybody in one sentence what he thinks of that. I was always intimidated by your talents. Your bizarre behavior often frightened me. You I've already dealt with. I get the feeling you never really liked me. You still owe me 35 bucks. Oh, and uh, these are yours. Yeah, I guess I, I felt like this scene was really forgettable. I don't really, oh, you know. I, I like this one. I think I mm. think everybody has something funny to do. Apparently, he also stole Lisa's birth control. Oh, my God. That's a perfect type of example of something that when I watched this, if I had watched this show as a kid, I would not have understood Yes. what she was so upset about. Right. Like, what, did he, what was that that he had taken? Yeah, that might have gone over my head as well. So at the end of the scene, Joe gives Lisa a figurine telling her that it's a good luck charm. And Lisa actually knows exactly what it is. It's Boba Fett, the intergalactic bounty hunter. Um, he, Joe's kind of surprised that she knows that. And she says, oh, yeah, this is one of the many fascinating tidbits you pick up when you date Dave. So we know that Dave is a big Star Wars fan. In the next scene, they are at the hotel room. Mr. James is introducing Lisa to the other poker players. The station owners are there with their... Mistresses? Prostitutes? Escorts? Yeah. That's the best word I could come up Ladies with. Ladies of the night? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so Mr. James' main rival is Stan the Man. He's played by an actor named John F. O'Donohue. 
Um, I looked up his IMDb credits. He was on NYPD Blue, The Cable Guy, The Ben Stiller Show, which is where Andy Dick got his start. Um, he was in a movie as good as it gets. Did you ever see that one? Yeah, with Helen Hunt and Jack Nicholson. Yeah. I never saw that one. I saw it a long time ago, and I feel like I saw it like on Netflix or something, and I tried to watch the first few minutes, and I think we're supposed to believe that Helen Hunt and Jack Nicholson are a love interest for each other. Yeah. There's no fucking way. <laughs> like, never. No. The most I, I think... I don't really know it that well. I yeah. knew that people had seen it. I think I was in junior high when it came out. And I think people like told me about it and I was like, well, this isn't a movie for me. Yeah. My I, understanding is they are a love interest for each other. And I could be totally wrong about that, but that's my impression. And that's enough to keep me from wanting to watch it. I think you're right. Anyway. So I didn't rec- I feel like I've seen this guy from various things, but none of his other credits really jumped out at me. Uh, Lisa sets the Boba Fett action figure on the table. In another hotel room, Catherine, Beth, and Joe show up. They're there to assist with saving Bill, um, and they're charging the hotel room to the station. Joe brings out a video headset. Um, that put me in mind of, like, the Jurassic Park headset, the night vision. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I couldn't think of, like, what else that looked like. It also looked a little bit like the Virtual Boy. Do you remember what the Virtual Boy was? Mm-mm. It was a completely failed um, video game console from the mid-'90s that was supposed to be 3D. Like Game Boy? Like Game Boy, but you had this headset you put your face in, and it was like red lines, and it was like the red lines gave the impression of being 3D. No. I no wanted idea. one so bad, and it was a, such Garbage, yeah. yeah. So apparently he's got one of those, and he can use it to see through a miniature camera in the Boba Fett. I like this little subplot, I know. Oh, my God. The, like, I made the camera. Where would you get the parts? I made them. Bullshit. No. I think you're just going to have to accept this feature of... I refuse to accept. I will not accept. (laughs) Listeners, I'm doing what I can. I'm doing my best here. You're working with what you got. Pretty much. So Beth is so excited she jumps around on the bed. Anyway, they're not quite sure how to use any of the information obtained with the Boba Fett. But then we see Beth enter the poker game room pretending to be from room service. service. She is a friend of mine trying to cheat, and thank you, Beth, for telling everyone my hand. Oh, my Lisa kicks her out because she's inadvertently told everyone Lisa's hand. Yeah, I I made a list of, like, annoying things that Beth did, including the Lucky Charms bit she did in the break room. Like, annoying. And then... The only good thing about the Lucky Charms bit is that nobody else finds it funny and she's like, sorry. I See, think that's... that's really you think funny. it's so funny when people, other people don't find things funny, <laughs> which I think is not funny also. Um, but yeah, I just... I just... Lo- I love the, like, corny sitcom nature of this <laughs> of this wacky scheme. Mm. It reminds me of the office episode where they like try to like get somebody oh, into the conference yeah. room by sneaking them in on a cheese, the ta- cheese, cheese tray. tray yes. Yeah. Um, and like, I like that Dave 
calls it out as a kind of corny sitcom idea by telling her like, Hey Lucy, Ricky's with you oh, down on the Tropicana. Sure. Cause like, that's exactly what it is. It's right. something Lucille Ball would have done. So back at the office, Bill has a line of employees who are all lined up to get their office supplies. I love the way Matthew is standing behind him as kind of his like consigliere. Right. <laughs> uh, so people walk up, Bill tells them what he thinks of them and gives them some office supply that he stole. Uh, I pointed out to you that the second one, Carol Yanell from Promotions. Um, <laughs> one thing I learned from watching the commentaries years ago that stuck in my mind is that person uh, won a contest to have a non-speaking role on a TV show. Oh, really? Yeah. Aww. And you can see that after she gets... Well, one thing is I like the choice to have Bill tell her that he found her incredibly attractive, <laughs> but everyone said she was crazy. Like, that's that's an interesting choice for Yeah. Like, yeah, you're going to be on this TV show. The guy really thinks you're hot, but he thinks you're crazy. I mean, it's funny because she's a very, like, mediocre looking woman yeah. also. Yeah. Uh, but you can actually see that she gets confused about where to go after she talks to Bill. <laughs> so she walks back behind Bill and kind of like behind the pillar, behind the pillar into Dave's office, out of Dave's office. <laughs> so if you're paying attention to that, it's pretty funny. Uh, back at the poker game, it's down to just Lisa and Stan. Um, Dave is busy talking with the escorts. Catherine, Beth, and Joe have ordered room service, this time for real. Joe's watching Hogan's Heroes on the headset. Apparently, Catherine and Beth have ordered massages. So the masseurs show up and they're two really old guys. That was my only lull from this episode. And it made you laugh both times I we really, watched it. It did. It was a good, like, surprise both times. <laughs> that was funny. So Dave insists that Stan put the coffee maker into the pot, uh, along with other items, including getting Bill back. Uh, Lisa ups the ante and adds Dave, the news director, to the pot. So Dave sidebars with Lisa, and she tells him that she has a great hand. When they get back to the table, their opponent looks at Lisa and then looks at Dave. And I just love the, like, little boy smile on Dave's face. <laughs> and the guy just immediately folds. And that's how they get Bill back. I wonder if Lisa knew, like, that's why she told him she had four jacks, because she knew he wasn't going to be able to have a straight face. Yep. I absolutely think she played yeah. him in that way. Right. Like... Although he, he keeps it together after she tells him. Like, she says, don't, you know, but I'm going to tell you. Well, he does and he doesn't because he sits down and immediately, like, gives oh, As it soon away. as he sits down, he, yeah, right. he grins. Uh, one thing I noticed is that Mr. James is asleep with his mouth open this entire scene. Yeah, he's in the chair in the back. But, like, that is what Stephen Root did in this scene. He's mm -hmm. like, I'm going to lay in this chair. With my mouth hanging open. Well, that makes sense because that's exactly what Mr. James would do. He would be like, Lisa's going to do it and I'll just... And, you know, he was tired before, so no, it makes sense that he would fall asleep. Absolutely. I'm just thinking that from the actor's perspective. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, that's what you're going to do. So Dave and Lisa awkwardly hug. Uh, Lisa says, ah, luck had nothing to do with it and throws the Boba Fett out the window. And then we just get like yeah. a five second smash cut to Joe who's laying on the bed and going, ah, because he's watching the, the, the view from the Boba Fett as sure. it falls out the window. Sure. And also from that five seconds, we see that apparently the ladies decided that the elderly masseurs were okay because <laughs> they're enjoying their massages. Well, I mean, they must know what they're doing. They've been doing it for years, so... <laughs> That would be the worst of all worlds if, like, if they're super old and it's the first day. <laughs> they, they did a career change. <laughs> a late career change. I was an accountant. <laughs> 
So Dave can't help himself. He actually has to look at Lisa's hand, and it turns out she just bet him on a pair of sixes. I just love the way he yells, you bet me on a pair of sixes. Uh, so he's really mad about this. He's fuming about it to the remaining escort. And she was like, hey, well, do you want to get out of here and do something? And he's like, yeah, that sounds nice. And then she's like, okay, I just need to run your credit card. I remember kind of not understanding this, but also sure. kind of finding it a little bit titillating. Like, oh, there's a transaction of some kind oh, happening here. What is? What are they going to do? Hmm. Uh, anyway, Dave leaves the hotel room, and Mr. James says, Good night, pumpkin. Mm. Which is what his mom calls him. Yeah, I didn't catch that. And that's the end of the episode. The only thing worth mentioning about the credits, which play as Bill is still in the office, <laughs> realizing he's not going to have to go to Atlanta and start stealing more office supplies, is that there's a line that says, Boba Fett, courtesy of J.T. Hutt. So apparently they had to get permission from Disney. Oh, um, sure. Sorry, it would have been Lucasfilm at this time. Now it's Disney. Um, to use the Boba Fett action figure. And mm. obviously Jabba the Hutt is the one who like... Right, that's what I figured. Hires <laughs> yeah. Boba Fett. So there you go. That's the episode. Mm. What did you think of this one, Kayleen? Yeah. It didn't do much. It moved along really fast. Yeah, like I enjoyed watching it, but it didn't feel like it furthered any type of character development or plot. No. You know? No. It was just, this is one that I thought was like, it's just kind of fun. Yeah. It wasn't particularly like entertaining or funny to me. Oh, okay. I enjoyed it. I, I feel like I like it when, kind of say this every episode, but I like it when everybody gets something funny to do and they're all engaged in some project or like they all have their own motivations and they're all mm. doing their own thing. I think I like it better when shows have, maybe I'm contradicting myself, but I feel like I like it better when shows have multiple plots that like are somehow connected to each other though. Like everybody in this episode was focused on getting Bill back. Right. Like to me, that's not very interesting. Right. Cause like, if that's if that if I don't care about that one thing, then I don't really care about the episode. Right. I like when um, I know I've talked about Seinfeld a fair amount, but like I think Seinfeld is so good at that, where they'll have like three or like four different main characters doing four different things, and yet they're all somehow still related or they come back together in some way. Yeah. Um, I really like that. It's a trade off, right? Because if you have just the one plot. So for um, news radio, I can think of like the station sale was like really the only thing. Sure. <laughs> was going on was the station sale or Bill's autobiography. That was one sure. where there was just one plot and it was just everybody reacting to the same event. Mm -hmm. um, if you are into that event and they plot it well enough that everybody gets to react and in fun ways and do funny things in response to it, that can be good. But if you as an audience member don't respond to that event, then the whole thing is going to fall flat. Right. Whereas if you've got several different subplots going on, even if one is not super interesting to you, you're just going to see another one in a few minutes. Mm -hmm. And so like one of them is probably going to grab you, but you don't get to get invested in any one very deeply. I mean, part of what I have a hard time with is that like, I also don't particularly care or like any of the characters much yet in news radio. I'm going to say yet, you never know. 
Um, They've grown on you even in this season. I know that to be true. Yeah, like they're fine, but I don't. Yeah, like like if there's an episode and the entire plot revolves around Lisa and Dave's relationship, I'm not. I'm out. Sure. Because <laughs> sure. like I just don't care about that. But yeah, yeah, it was okay. Sure. Uh, now is the point in the show where we talk about the nineties. The nineties. Yo, it's the nineties. Agent Scully. What about Agent Scully? Mm, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> so Dave calls Beth Agent Scully because of her investigations into the fifth oh, okay. dimension. Right. Yep. Did you have any others? I mean, there were some things like spaz, I feel like was a 90s. Sure. Yeah, I think we've talked insult, about that before. Insult, yep. or I feel like there were a couple more. I mean, like they referenced Star Wars a bunch, which it's a 90s, but it's old. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't we, know. We've said this before, is the people who were into Star Wars as kids are the age right. of the main characters in the show now. Right. Um, I, I called out Penthouse Forum. Oh, I think yeah. between this and yeah. Seinfeld, that is the only like connection I have with Penthouse Forum. One of my friends had a penthouse when I was in like high school. Yeah. And I remember I had seen a Playboy before, a couple Playboys, which are just like, you know, women posed sideways and their boobs are out. And I was like, okay. And then my friend showed me a penthouse and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, was that... Oh, it was much, much more revealing. Yeah. My understanding is like Playboy is like up here. Like I've got my hand high in terms of like class. Sure. And then Penthouse is right below that. Okay. And then way below that is where you get into Hustler. That's my understanding. I don't think it was a Hustler that I saw. Mom, this is just stuff I've heard. I don't know. Yeah, Jordan wouldn't know. <laughs> Actually, I think I think Penthouse Forum is a separate magazine that's just like no titillating letters no i think you can buy just a doesn't uh george buy a penthouse forum kramer does i don't there's an episode where jerry goes to the dentist and he has penthouse in his or playboy in in his dentist waiting office uh, i think i'm remembering another one where like kramer is reading some of the like sexy letters from penthouse forum yeah but that was but th- no that was just like a column in the back of it okay i could be wrong I'm pretty sure that's true. Who you know, knows? We don't know what we're talking about, so. <laughs> Refer to our theme song. Yeah, we don't know. Uh, the last one is Barney Frank. Oh, Who was a yeah. congressman from Massachusetts in the 90s. Right. One of the first openly gay congressmen mm. that I know of. And so mm. that's the joke about, like, well, he knows this escort didn't have a three-way <laughs> with Barney oh, Frank. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's all I caught for 90s references. There's some other ones like Dave calls Joe Roy Orbison when he puts on those thick sunglasses, but like that is not a 90s right, reference. Right. I mean, the closest you could get was wasn't Roy Orbison in the Traveling Wilburys at the end of the 80s? I have no idea. I mean, that's something like they'll reference, they reference Lucille Ball, but right. like that's not 90s. No, you know? that, that does not fit this segment of our show because no. it does not tell us that, yo, you're in the 90s. Gee whiz. Gee whiz, it's the 50s. I love it. Now is the point in the show where we do... Kayleen's Game. The Game.
All right, Jordan. All right. The main plot line of this episode revolves around gambling. Oh, no. So I'm not going to make you do your own gambling again. Okay. I already, I already did that. Sure. But the category for this round is all my questions are around betting, gambling, wagering, <laughs> wagers. Okay. Ready? Sure. Question number one. Ernest Hemingway was allegedly challenged by fellow authors to write a short story with a beginning, middle, and an end using only six words. What did he write? Uh, That would be for sale, baby shoes never worn. Very good. Although he didn't actually do that. Oh no! Is no, that apocryphal? A, it is. It's it's a it's a urban myth. Uh, yeah, I I don't remember. I didn't. I did a little bit of deep diving into it, but it was a while ago. Anyway, he didn't actually do that. Sure. I think it actually was a like an an ad placed uh, in a newspaper. So it's like a found art object. Kind of yes, huh. yes. But you'll hear that. Yes. Tale sometimes that that's like he was, it's attributed to him. Yeah. But that's incorrect. All right. Question two. Dr. Seuss was challenged to write a book with only 50 words, meaning 50 words, meaning he could use it as many times as he wanted, but the book could only have 50 total words in it. Right. He succeeded by writing what book? That would be The Cat in the Hat. Incorrect. Oh. Ah. Is it um, Green Eggs and Ham? It is Green Eggs oh, and Ham. Okay, don't give that to me. No, I got that no, wrong. No, you got that wrong. Wrong. <laughs> I am Sam. Sam, I am. Sam, I am. That Sam, I am. That Sam, I am. I do not like that Sam, I am. You can tell we've read this. Oh, so <laughs> many times. So many times. This is the one that our littlest can read to us now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Nearly. All right, question number three. In the 2022 Kentucky Derby race, an underdog horse with 80 to 1 odds ended up winning. What was the name of the horse? Gimme Shelter. No. No, I don't know. <laughs> I thought maybe you know this is this year. I know. It was just a few weeks ago. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Lucky Strike. Oh, you're so close. <laughs> Rich Strike. Oh, I okay. I, now that you say that, I have heard that. Yeah. Yeah, some people made like thousands and thousands of dollars off of this win. 80 to 1 odds. That's pretty good. Yeah. Question number four. What 1993 film had the tagline, a husband, a wife, a billionaire, a proposal? Ooh, Indecent Proposal. Very good. Have you seen that one? Uh, No. Would you let a billionaire spend the night with me for a million dollars? That's a tough one. So, <laughs> so okay. we have a mortgage. Audience, audience, what's the right answer here? <laughs> Call in. Uh, I'm going to say yes, because mm. I think we've got a strong enough marriage that I don't think yeah. would affect our marriage. I agree with you. No I mean, big deal. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. I mean, the real question is, would you let me do it if someone wanted to pay you a million dollars? If a woman... Yes. If a woman billionaire was like... I, I would, have to have him. I'd be like, 500000 
piece of steel. <laughs> Take it for a couple nights. Take it for a week. It's fine. $1,000 in a ride home. Uh, that's good. All right. Question number five. Kenny Rogers Gambler gives us what advice in the chorus? Uh, as referenced by Matthew Brock uh, back in the gambling yeah. episode. You got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. Know when to walk away. Know when to run. Don't count your money. She's just, she's not telling me I'm right yet. So I'm just going to keep going. Don't count your money while you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for counting when the gambling's done. Oh, you're, I'll give it to you. When the dealing's done. When the dealing's done. And it's, you never count your money when oh, you're okay. sitting at the table. I'll give it to you. That was I good. mean, yeah, I don't know that I've ever listened to that song all the way through. Really? No, I just know it from the office episode when they're singing it on the bus on the way back from beach day. Oh, that's interesting. That's a good song. It's a classic. All right, question number six. What reasoning fallacy is described as a general agreement between parties that appears agreeable while planning, but is actually too vague to be implemented in reality? Whoa. <laughs> So this hits that sweet spot of like... I thought you would like this. Things I should know, but don't. Really? Seems to be agreeable when planning. Yeah, I don't know. I know the gambler's fallacy. We talked about that last episode, but this is not that. I've never heard of this. It's called Loki's Wager. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I know why. Why? Because there was that story... Do you know the answer to this? Yeah, I I wrote this. What? I wrote these questions a few weeks ago, and now I don't remember. But I did look into it. So Loki, it's based on a like myth, like yeah, a Norse myth. Norse myth, right? Loki makes a bet with the dwarves, I believe, and he says that he bets his head, but then when he loses the bet, he tells them that they can't take his head without also taking his neck, which wasn't part of the bargain. Well, they say, he says, you can only take my head. You can't take my neck. Uh, and then they're like, but where does your neck begin? Right. And so like, yeah, that's exactly it. Right. It's kind of like um, Merchant of Venice, like Shylock's pound of flesh without, but not getting any blood. Right. Sure. That's a good one, right? That's very good. I know. I was like, either he'll know this right away or he'll like, I don't think of that as a fallacy of reasoning so much as like I mean, a, Wikipedia says a it's a Wikipedia says it's a reason. It's a ruse. Fail. All right. <laughs> Question number seven. If you're speaking with a teenager and they say bet, what do they mean? It means like, yes, affirmative. <laughs> and it's like short for you bet or like you can bet on it. Yeah. They mean all right or okay. Is that where it comes from? I have no idea. One day a kid just said to me, bet. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I saw this on How I Met Your Father. Like one character says that. Mm -hmm. And like the joke was like, no one knew what he was talking about. Bet. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would assume it does come from like you bet or something like that. Question number eight. The bet is an 1889 short story written by Chekhov where a banker wagers against a lawyer that he can't remain where for 15 years. 
That would be your mom's house. <laughs> <laughs> Close. Can't remain uh, where for 15 years in the gulag? No. I mean, it's, it's Chekhov's. So that's, that was my guess. <laughs> um, he can't remain in a frozen lake. No. I don't know. In solitary confinement. Oh. So the argument that they were having is the banker says it's worse to sentence somebody to a lifetime of solitary confinement than death. And the lawyer disagrees. And so the banker says, okay, then you need to go into solitary confinement for 15 years. How rich are these guys that they can make this extravagant yeah. bet? I mean, it's a banker and a lawyer. I so, guess so. They have a little bit of money. <laughs> Do you agree? Um, would you rather be sentenced to death or would you rather be sentenced to solitary for the rest of your life? I would not want, I would go crazy if I were in solitary confinement. Like I'm a more social person and I'm also somebody who processes experiences and finds the value in life often through experiencing things with other human beings, with other people. So I think it would be particularly awful for me. Yeah. So I think I would rather die. <laughs> it's morbid, but like, yeah. I mean, there's there's a part of me that likes the idea of, you know, I don't know, would I live in the woods? Like, would I get to have my own cabin and be, right. like, that's, I mean, or would I be in a cell? Yeah. That, those are two very different scenarios. If I If I could live in, like, the woods and be around nature and animals and go places. I mean, that's not typically the, <laughs> the definition choice. of solitary confinement. Right. Especially right. when you're choosing between that or, right. you know, capital punishment. Right. So if I could choose that, I probably would choose that then, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I already know what you'd pick. You'd, you'd love it. I am. I'm probably overestimating my ability to handle solitary confinement, but yes, that is the clear choice for me is I don't think I would go crazy. I would, Probably not be mentally well by the end of it, but I think I could handle it better than a lot of people could. Like, I think if I were in prison and I was put in solitary confinement, it would be really awful for me. Mm. Especially, like, the whole, like, when they don't turn the lights off and you don't know what time it is. And, like, that sounds horrible. I mean, that's a form of torture. Yes, yes. So, well, this took a turn. Um, You didn't get that one, Jordan. No. All right. I've never heard of that in my life. Huh. The bet. All right. Question number nine. The 1999 film Cruel Intentions, which revolves around an illicit bet between step-siblings, is an adaptation of what 1988 film? Uh, I knew this once upon a time. Is it a French film? So... It's the 1988 film was an adaptation of a 1985 play. Yes. And that play was an adaptation of a 1782 French novel. Right. I feel like I've listened to a podcast that kind of goes through that, that metamorphosis of of all these different cultural objects. I'm not going to get the right answer. Hmm. You'll know it when I say it. Dangerous liaisons. Ah, liaison dangereuse. (laughs) Yeah, that was it. All right, question number 10 is a two-parter. It's a twofer. Or you could say it's 10 and 11. So question 10. What is typically the lowest bet you could make at a blackjack table in the Bellagio in Las Vegas? 
This is typical for like most big casinos, but I just picked the Bellagio to have a specific one. The lowest bet at a blackjack table. A hundred dollars. No. Is it a thousand? No. Ten thousand? Jesus, no. I don't know. Ten dollars. Oh. Like the average person has to be able to play sometimes. I thought the the trick of this question was gonna be that it's like for high rollers and like No, that's the lowest you... bet. Like your mom and dad go to Vegas and they wanna bet their money. If tables were a hundred dollars, nobody would play, I think. Although I guess a ten dollar table is relatively rare. Like it has to be really dead. I didn't realize that they change the starting wager depending on the time of day. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So like if you went down to the blackjack tables at like two in the afternoon on, I don't know, a Tuesday, you might find a ten dollar table mm. because there's nobody playing. But if you go at like a Friday night at like six or seven PM, the lowest you might find is a hundred dollars. Uh, Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Huh. This is a whole world I yeah. I do not know. I about. didn't know any of this until I started. I was like, huh, what is the highest or lowest bet? Uh in that same vein, question ten point five or eleven, what is the max bet at a blackjack table at the Bellagio? Ten thousand. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you got that one. Good job. Good guess. You got one, two, three, four. This is your worst game, I think. I mean, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Good job, Kayleen. This You're coming up. Well, okay. Actually, you got five. Sorry, you got five because you got five out of ten. Five out of ten. That's right. George is going for five out of ten. That's exactly right. Well, five out of eleven, but yeah, I'll give it to you. You got five out of ten. Sure. Good game. Yeah. That was fun. Difficult. Difficult topic for you. Yeah. I would not have known any of these answers. I might have known a decent proposal. Yeah, you would have. Maybe the Dr. Seuss one. Maybe Cruel Intentions. I've seen that movie. Bet I would have known that. <laughs> this... You would have known the Ernest Hemingway one, right? Oh, yeah. I probably would have. Yeah. Okay. So I would have known a few. For sale. One six-toed cat. Fun fact, Jordan and I have been to the Hemingway house. In Key West. In Key West. And Kayleen held a six-toed cat. They were lap. very they were very explicit. Like, do not touch the cats. The cats are just kind of around. Leave them alone. They're they're not to be like touched or petted. And we sat down on a bench next to a cat and Kayleen was like, What if I just scooch him over? Just, just scooch, scooch, scooch. And then all of a sudden the cat was on Kayleen's lap. He loved me. We were friends. <laughs> He liked it. <laughs> All right. Good game. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Now is the point in the show where we recommend. Mm. Kayleen, would you like to go first? Sure. I will recommend something that I got in the mail today. Uh, it is a company called Scales of a Mermaid. Don't love the name of the company, not going to lie, but... I like the products. I'm not a really big mermaid girl. You know, like mermaids were really popular a few years ago. Sure. I just, it wasn't my thing. But this is, I think it's basically like a lady or a few people. And they live in, I think, New York. And they sell and make uh, like different cuticle oils and different body lotions. And um, it honestly is kind of like the type of stuff you'd find at like a Renaissance festival or like at a farmer's market type. 
Uh, but one of my friends recommended their products, and I sorry, what are these products? Have you been so the products that I got are because it'd be very easy for a listener to assume that it's like those mermaid <laughs> tails that you slip on when you're in a pool that allow you to like swim around. No, in fact, if you put one of those on me, I probably would drown. <laughs> I don't think I could swim. I think those look like fun. I, I I'm not a you're much of a swimmer. Nuts. Oh my gosh, that I looks love so having scary. I love having flippers on when I'm swimming in a pool because yeah, it makes you go so fast. Yeah, but your legs would be locked together. Yeah. <laughs> scary that's true okay so the products this is a company they make soap sugar scrubs cuticle balms butter lotions uh they actually have beard oil they actually even do um like wax melts like candle warmers the thing that i bought that i was excited about are cuticle balms it's almost like chapstick but for your cuticles and as you know i've been trying to take better care of my hands, I guess. I'm never going to be a girl, I think, that gets manicures regularly, but I started using cuticle oil a while ago, and it was really great, but it's kind of a mess. And so my friend recommended this company, and one thing I think is really cool about them is they have lots of different types of scents, um, which is not... Maybe it's atypical to want to buy something through the internet based on a smell because you can't smell it. Um, but they have a really great page that says scent descriptions and it has all of the types of scents that they have and they're really good descriptions. And then it tells you all the products you can get in that scent. Um, and I just like the way that the website's organized and you're supporting a small business. And um, I was really happy with the cuticle balms I got today. Plus, they also sent along a free sample, which I just love when they do that, and a little sucker and a sticker. And I feel like that's a thing when you buy from small shops online, you often will get these little like handwritten thank yous and again, samples and stickers and, you know, just even the packaging was cute. And it's just, it's much more satisfying to get a package like that than from Uncle Bezos, you know, so... <laughs> Uh, scalesofamermaid.com. There you go. You have uh, recommended cuticle oil before, right. I believe, yeah. but that was the more like general concept or yeah. general product as opposed to the specific manufacturer, right? They have a whole uh, product line for men called Scales of a Merman, I believe. Still sounds like something Harry Potter has to buy in Diagon Alley. <laughs> yeah, they call them mermen. Merman products. Eugene Merman is one of my favorite comedians. Would you like some beard oil, Jordan? What am I going to put beard oil on, <laughs> Kayleen? <laughs> Your armpit hair. <laughs> I did just the other day, I was looking at my armpit hair and thought, this isn't nearly oily enough. <laughs> Your eyebrows? You want me to look up my eyebrows? <laughs> Your three-day stubble. <laughs> takes me a week and a half to get what other people have three days stubble. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'm also going to recommend a company or product. Hmm. I have bought several pairs of shorts from a company called Bear Bottom. No, oh. no, 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 no. Oh. oh, God. Oh, God. He's taking it off. <laughs> Not Bear, B-A-R-E, but Bear, B-A-R, wait, B- <laughs> B-E-A-R. The 
Yogi Bear? Like Yogi Bear's ass. <laughs> oh my God. You put your underwear on and it looks like you're a bear from the waist down. That's kind of fun. <laughs> We're not that type of couple, Jordan. <laughs> Zoom. At least not yet. No, this is Bear Bottom, B E A R Bottom. Delightful play on words. These are really comfortable shorts. So I bought a pair of their joggers like last year. Are these ones you just showed me today? Uh, that is a pair as a pair of yeah. shorts from them. Yeah, oh. I, I think I've bought like six pairs of shorts wow. from them in the last month and a half. Well, nice. I got to summer and uh, at least in our neck of the woods, it went from being 60 degrees to being like 95 degrees for like a week. And I didn't have any shorts that were... Uh, comfortable and fit, <laughs> so I freaked out and <laughs> bought a bunch of shorts. But I have liked nearly every pair of shorts I've gotten from them. So I like some more than others. I'm not saying any of them are bad, but um, yeah, the kind that I have been wearing most typically is their like kind of dress shorts that are that have an elastic waistband. Which mm-hmm. like, I mean, when do I ever <laughs> like? No one would ever tuck in their shirt to their shorts, right? So it's like, who cares if it's an elastic Dads waistband? Dads do. Not, not this dad. Not this dad, baby. <laughs> no, I'm wearing a pair right now. These kind of look like swim trunks, but they're just called yeah. volley shorts. They're super comfortable. Just Great. been wearing them around the house. Great. I bought a pair for working out that are like gym shorts, but have an internal lining. Yeah. That makes them really comfortable, so you wear that instead of underwear. Mm. So I'm really this digging. This is all just a big ploy to get, because <laughs> you don't want to wear underwear anymore. No, I want to have a bare bottom. <laughs> you want a bare bottom. <laughs> so I don't have that much more to say, except for I really like all these shorts that I've gotten from them. And they're great. And um, they have a really, I, I've just gotten over my reluctance to buy shorts and pants on the internet because like it's what you have to do now it's what you have to do i went to like (laughs) you tried to do the mall thing i tried to do the mall thing and i felt like i was walking into a ghost town (laughs) yeah um which is sad but that's what it is so and they have a great return policy so Mm -hmm. bare bottom shorts bear your bottom don't bear your bottom wear bare bottom I do like their logo, which is the letter B, but it has the silhouette of a bear's head on it, like forming the interior. I thought you were going to say a butt. No. Like a B on its side, so like a butt. Big crude. (laughs) They're the company named Bear Bottom. Bearbottomclothing.com. And if they wanted to send me some free stuff, you know, I'm not going to say no. (laughs) You can tag them on Instagram. Yeah. All right. So those are our recommendations. Now is the point in the episode where we talk about our favorite moment. Did you have a favorite moment? The old masseurs. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> yeah, very good. Mine is the smash cut to Joe on the bed as oh, Boba Fett's falling. falling out the window. Yeah. Like, they didn't have to do that. Yeah. But uh, it, cute. it was cute. Now is the point where we rate the episode. Kayleen, on a scale from one to five stolen office supplies... What do you give this episode? Uh, I give it two and a half. Eh, forgettable. Two and a half bare bottoms. <laughs> I'm sorry, two and a half stolen office supplies. Okay. A little less than average. Yeah, I don't need to see this one again. 
I have seen it probably four times recently, just yeah. preparing for this episode, so I'm a little sick of it too, but I do like this one, and I'm going to give this one uh, 4.1 oh, wow. office okay. supplies. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know that this is in my top 10, but I would certainly put it in my top quarter of news radio episodes. Hmm. Yeah. We're almost done with the season. We are. So yeah, that's the last thing to say is that the next episode is season two, episode 20 entitled Coda. And then after that we get Led Zeppelin two, And that's the end of season two. Hmm. I'm interested to see how this season ends. I think you will. Don't. Don't say I something that, that will give will anything away. I think it will reward your interest. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Are Joe and Beth finally going to get together? I still think they'd be a good couple. Dave and Matthew finally get together. Oh, progressive. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So that's all from us for this evening. Thanks for joining us, dear listeners. Time for bed. Yeah, it's super late. So we will talk to you next time when we discuss episode 20, Coda. For WKJP News Radio, this is Jordan and Kayleen signing off. The theme music for WKJP News Radio is the song You Say But You Don't Know by the band Troubles Afoot. You can check them out on Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music, or wherever you find new music. Special thanks to Uncle Keith for our use of equipment and technical support. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can reach out to us at WKJPPod on Twitter or Instagram. You can also email us at WKJPPod at gmail.com. If you like our show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts to help us find other listeners like you. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening.